Right, so I'm very excited to start this Chabura um, on two levels. One level is that, like one of the things that they give you advice like when you do like this work kind of work. They say, never teach about tefillah. Why? Because if you teach about tefillah, people get inspired and they're going to have to go to shul. And the people don't want to go to shul because they're lazy. So nobody's going to want to come because it's a lose-lose. I go and I'm not inspired. Then why did I go? I go and then I'm inspired. Then I feel like I have to go to shul and I don't want to go. So they, they say, just don't teach it. Don't teach it. Um, so being that they say don't teach it, I said I probably should teach it. Um, that's one reason. One reason is because if the world says don't teach tefillah, then the answer is teach tefillah. And it's my last semester. So even if I fail, fail. Yeah? It's like, yeah, you gave a chabura and it failed. And they're like, great. No, here next year. Okay. Um, but the second really exciting thing is that the, the work in front of us um, it was put together by uh, um, one of my rabbis, one of the people who really has influenced me tremendously in the past four years. Um, Rav Daniel Cohen, who's a rabbi, but I, um, I probably spent, I want to say the good, the, the good past of my, my four years listening to probably over thousands and thousands of audio shirim. Like I have probably, I think, I think, I think somewhere around forty. 40 gigabyte, gigabyte of, 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 of just recordings on, on every topic. And I just like, li- um, really just uh, transformed a lot of my thought process. And uh, very into tefillah. He wrote this book, it's in Hebrew, hasn't been published in English yet, called um, the Sulam Ha'it which is the, 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 ladder, the ladder of ascent. Um, and it's all about prayer. Uh, and the English hasn't been published yet, but it's in front of you right now. Um, I asked her, Daniel, I said, I really want to teach your book. Can I have the English version? I know it's not published yet. And he said, here you go. But don't send around the digital copy, just printouts. So we're actually, this book has not yet been published, but when it will be published uh, later this year, you'll all be like, yeah, I already like, learned it. Um, but what Rav Daniel does, I think, is, which is really, really amazing, he takes the sitter, but turns it from a book into a journey. A journey through time through sages, journey through spirituality from the lowest parts of my soul to the highest parts of my consciousness. And he turns it into a journey where, park that for a second, I'll get back to that in a second, but the problem that most people have is that either they connect to prayer in the larger context and they like prayer and they like meditation and they like talking to God and they don't know what to do in shul because what do I do now? I have like the sitter and like, it's like boring, it's structured and, and whatnot, right? Um, and how do you take that spiritual connection to prayer, to, to devotion, to connection to God, to relationship, and actually be able to instill it within the framework, right? So Reb Nachman's answer was do it, both do it, right? Have minion, grind, do the grind, go to show, dive in, feel something, don't feel something, just do it. And then, like, go to the forest and, like, be spiritual, right? Um, but, but still, don't, don't forget to daven, right? Like, do it both to do it and don't. And what Rav Daniel does, which is, like, the synthesizing of, of both, um, is, to, is to take that meditative state and show how the sitter was intended to be that. The sitter that we know today, the prayer book, the way it's structured is supposed to be a meditative, conscious that we are, we're, we're embarking on. And if we are successful, then this will transform 
our life. Um, I know it's transformed my tefillah, my prayer, um, in, in many ways since I started listening to these uh, audio recordings and, and reading the book inside. Um, and I hope, I hope this will be um, also meaningful for you. Now, what's important to me, especially because um, this is a book that hasn't been published, and uh, the one thing that we're going to want to do is if we have feedback, is give the feedback, right? Um, so talk, okay? Like share ideas, ask questions. Um, this is supposed to be something that is going to be uh, a learning, right? This is not going to be me teaching. Um, you know, this is going to be us reading <coughs> this text and trying to figure out uh, where it's taking us, okay? Okay. Sam, do you want to, uh, do you want to read? I would love to. Please, go for it. Introduction. He who does not experience the intimate pre- pleasure of prayer, along with the need for it, cannot truly pray. Rav Cook. Ulat Ra'ya. Ra'ya. Okay, so what does that mean? What does that mean? It's not, it's, you're not, Sam, you don't not, solely have to answer this. Yeah. If you're not feeling it, then you didn't really pray, you know? Okay, so, so, so how do we, first how do we understand can't truly pray? Right? I mean, because if you said the words, you said the words. Isn't it just prayer saying the words? That's what you mean, yeah. Right. So if I meant it, but I didn't, I didn't feel an intimate pleasure. Right? So Rav Cook, obviously, in his very beautiful way, and a lot of a beautiful uh, book, is trying to open up the paradigm of prayer. Um, especially because in, in Hebrew, we don't use the word prayer. We don't talk about prayer. Prayer comes from the Latin word to beg. And we don't believe in prayer as begging. Please, mighty Lord, you're so mightiful. I'm so small and tiny and you have so much. Can you just give me a little bit? That's not prayer. That, that, that's prayer. That's not tefillah. Tefillah, davening, um, in Rav Cook's eyes, has to be um, an, an intimate pleasure. Something that I'm actually like, it's for me. And that's why the word lehit palel in Hebrew is reflective. Their stance of lehit palel is from the reflective stance of hit pael. It means it happens to me. I'm supposed to feel something. The, the excitement of tefillah has to happen here, not there. It's supposed to arouse something in me. So, uh, um, all right, so let's, let's, let's further go. True prayer, true prayer expresses our highest self and identity, awaking us to excited connection, love of existence, intimacy, deep sharing, resonance, enhanced awareness of self, passionate involvement with life, and an expansive sense of being part of all. Okay, so, so let's just, let's, let's, let's start to unpack this a little bit, okay? So prayer is supposed to express the highest self, my highest self and identity, okay? Part of the question that people ask themselves for, for 40 years until they have a midlife crisis is, is who am I? Who am I? Why am I here? What, what makes me me? Is my identity my job? Is my identity my gender? Is my identity my ethnicity? And we're all having like fights about that in, the, in 2020. They're like, no, that's not me. That's not, this doesn't identify me. This doesn't define me. But then who am I? And who am I? Awaken us to, to right? To an excited connection. Love of, love of existence. So what, what are all these, these ideas of tefillah? Are not supposed to be a moment for me to pinpoint something that I want. 
asking bakasha is part of tefillah. It is, it is. But it's not the sole part. It's a part. Asking for things. Thanking. Right? The first thing we do is mode'ani. We think. But there's a whole larger scheme of what prayer is supposed to be. What tefillah is supposed to be. And that is a way for me to really, to really know me. To really know me. So, in a simplified way, let's say I'm just going to take the realm of asking. I'm asking for a million dollars. Why? Because uh, if I have a million dollars, then I'll, uh, I'll have, I'll have uh, financial security. Why? Well, because if I have financial security, then I don't have to worry um, about uh, certain things. Uh, why? Right? And I'm davening. And the more, the more I'm here, I'm not... I'm not getting that million dollars, right? Uh, Bitcoin is not falling into my Bitcoin account. Um, I'm constantly, I'm constantly um, revisiting, reiterating why I want these a million dollars. And that's really teaching me about me. Wait, so instead of asking for a million dollars, why don't I just ask for uh, financial security? Okay, so maybe instead of asking for financial security, I should just ask for like a, like a, a mindset where everything's going to work out. Okay, great, great, wow. So instead of a million dollars, now I want a mindset. Wait, instead of a mindset that worked out, why don't I ask for like uh, the tools to build a mindset that is good in life? Wow, okay, great, so let's do that. Instead of asking for tools that build a mindset, why don't I ask for a, 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 um, the, the modes, the, the information, the data, the learning, the teaching, the psychological uh, investment of shaping personality? Okay, great. So uh, that is just like one aspect of me getting to know myself within the bigger realm of what tefillah is. And usually that happens through hearing no, not hearing yes, right? Because if I just ask for a million dollars and Hashem gave me, let's say, and uh, was it Bruce Almighty? Or he just answers everybody's yes and, uh, and everybody wins the lottery and they have to like divide like six million dollars to uh, 850 million people, right? Um, and nobody's happy because they get like three cents. Um, so, so if you just say yes to everybody, then it's not, it, that's not, that's not building um, character. Okay. okay. Sam, you can keep going? The sitter is a spiritual journey. Of course, all of this requires our aligning with the nature of reality and existence, with the divine will. The sitter helps us archive, achieve these, and to align ourselves with God's will. The sitter expands and deepens our consciousness, gradually arouses our most profound drives and desires, and finally guides us in prayer. Great. So now we're going to do the, the, the development part of seeing how the sitter is this mode of building the right consciousness that I need, right? So we said that before, is that a lot of people in Hasidus ran away from the sitter, right? Go to the spiritual, new age, meditation, uh, and yet we're going to try to do all that within within the sitter. All right, so first we're gonna have to start of understanding of how, what world we're in, right? How, how do I understand the, the relationship that prayer is supposed to be between me and my creator if I don't fully grasp what relationship that is? Because when I was in a, um, um, day school, middle school, um, um, I was told that he is all powerful up there and if I want anything, uh, then I have to like do, I have to put on my tulin. There's no way the Knicks are gonna win if you didn't put on tulin today. Like, don't you get that? Don't you get that? It's obvious. Um, so hopefully we're not in middle school and we're not in, in, in yeshiva day school, high school, so we can uh, look a little bit at, at things differently. 
Okay, so let's see this. Praying in a world created for love. The world is created for love. The depths of that love depend on the profundity of awareness and knowledge of who is who the beloved is. Rambam. Okay, so right, so the Rambam starts off Yisodia Torah by saying that Yisoda Yisodot, the foundation of all foundations, ve'amuda chokmot, and the pillar of all knowledge is leida sheyesh rishon, to know that there's a primordial being that everything originated from. He is the root of all. Right? We have to understand that everything, that everything at the end of the day, if you track back, 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 back to the origin, it's him. Everything comes from him. He is everything. Not only the master plan, not only the building blocks, not only the fabric. Right? So we have to understand, right, um, the knowledge of who the beloved is. Because if I, if I just think that he is somewhere over there or some controlling aspect, I'm not going to feel connected to him. Okay, keep going. Uh, the intensity of caring for the beloved, the firmness of one's faithful, faithfulness to him, and the level of desire <coughs> to share one's life and be joined with the beloved in union. All right, right? So these are, these are the modes of us to understand what it means to have a relationship of love with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Okay? And obviously we can unpack each one of those but they're going to be unpacked later for us. So we're just going to, this is obviously an introduction, we're going to unpack those in further places alongside the prayer, alongside the sitter, alongside our tefillah, um, and in the morning prayer. Keep going. Torah cultivates knowledge and awareness, but, does so, but so does prayer, as it puts us in touch with our purest and deepest yearnings that, as a creature who is in the image of God, we share with him. When we delve deeply into what we most truly desire and why we desire it, we align with the most primal urges of the Creator and the creation. Okay, great. So, Kadesh Baruch Hu... Why, it doesn't... No, no, it's chill, it's chill. <laughs> so, the, 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 the idea is, is that Kadesh Baruch Hu desired to create a world. So every time I desire something, I'm desiring also. So we already have a link. And the question is, what am I desiring? Okay? And Baruch, in order to create a world where we can be conscious of him, had to actually remove himself from the equation, in a way. Tzimtzum. Right? And therefore, when I desire things, how do I desire them? Am I desiring to conquer them, control them? Or am I desiring a relationship? When I'm a parent to my children, am I desiring children so I can, so they can achieve what I didn't achieve? You're going to play the cello every single day, and you're going to be a... PhD student, right? Is, is that why I'm having children? So they can bring to fruition things that I didn't? Am I trying to have children because I want to bring out some greater aspect in me? Right? What is this desire? Where is desire coming from? Am I desiring to be in a relationship because I don't want to be alone? Am I desiring to be in a relationship because there's so much I can give and so much of me that is just unlocked potential that can only be unlocked in a relationship of this sort? And through prayer, when I'm constantly figuring out what I'm actually praying for. And remember, I just learned this in Dafyomi, Chasidim, Chasidim Rishonim, Ayushoim Shachat Ifnat Fila. The Chasidim Rishonim, they would, they would meditate for a whole hour on really what they're asking. Right? Some of you might have heard me say this my, my, when I started first coming close to Hashem again after high school. My, my, my Rebbe, I used to always come and like, I was frustrated. I came with all my baggage and all my anger and everything that I had, all my you know, frustration about God and how he's unfair and unjust. And I used to ask all these questions. And the Rebbe was like, long beard and like gingy hair. It's like, look at me and be like, what are you really asking? 
And I'm like, I'm really asking why bad things happen to good people. I was like, yeah, but what are you really asking? Ah, uh, why do bad things happen to me? Mm, what are you assuming from that statement? That I'm a good person. Are you a good person? I don't know. Well, let's talk about it. I mean, I do some good. I also do some bad, but everybody does some bad. Okay. How do you perceive bad? Why are certain things that you do bad, but certain things that you do are not bad? And I'm like, ah, you're so annoying. <laughs> but sitting in Tefillah, right? Am I praying to this girl to fall in love with me? Because that's what I think right now. Or am I praying to find the one that really is the right person for me to build a relationship with? Right? And that's me kind of developing what are my desires. And when I do that, I'm actually like a Kaddish Baruch Animals don't really have desires. They have needs. Programmed. Okay? A, you know, the, 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 the bee doesn't love the flower. The bee goes to the flower. It's attracted to it. Right? Is there love there? Right? My friend who's the JLIC rabbi at, a, at a University of Illinois, Champaign-Urbana, he was studying Chinese medicine in, uh, in the East for a long time. And uh, they were longing about yin and yang for a while. And then he raised his hand and he said, do they love each other? And the guy looked at him, what do you, what do you mean? Like, it's yin and yang. Like, he's part of him. He's like, they're, he's like, yeah, but is there love there? And he's like, I don't, I don't think so. And he's like, this is not for me. He got up and left. Came back to Israel, settled in yeshiva. Like, what do you mean they don't love each other? Then what's the bond that's holding them together? All right. Practice. Here's a simple and beautiful <coughs> practice I personally do and guide others in. Uh, choose something you really want to happen in your life, an accomplishment or change for the better. For example, write a book. Now, breathe deeply and relax. Say to yourself, I want to write a book because I want to share Torah. Breathe. Accept that. Enjoy it. Continue. And I want to share Torah because it enlightens people. Breathe. Accept that. Enjoy it. And I want to enlighten people because it brings greater good to the world, etc. I encourage people to do at least seven levels. Uh, almost always people get towards, get toward or to because I want to bring a gift to God or because I want to bring good or am good. When prayer is contextualized as a yearning for the betterment of God's world or creation, even if that travels through my own personal accomplishment, it also expresses and intensifies our caring for God in his world, the second element of love. Finally, in turning to, to God, I join him in a faith-filled covenant for life, the third part of love. Right, so those are the, when he said second and third, those are the bullet points on top. Right? So that's the, the, the idea is like, wh why am I doing this? I, I'm allowed to enjoy pleasure in the world. I'm allowed to have fun. I'm allowed to do things that make me feel good. Right? But why do I want to do those things? Where are they going to? You know, you know how you say honor in Hebrew? Kavod. You know what else kavod means? Respect. Right? But that's just another form of honor, but right? But also wait. Wait. We all know based on Newton's oh, theory honor. of... Okay, like to honor, not like honor, like glory, sorry. So 
we all know based on, 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 on Newton's theory of, relative, of, of gravity, that the more something has a mass, the bigger the mass is, the more it has a gravitational pull. So it's very, it's, it, 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 and now this, Judaism has been saying this forever just by using the same word for gravitational pull, honor, and mass, right? That's the same word, kavod and kavod. The more I want to have a bigger mass, I want to have more honor because I want there to be more gravitational pull around me. But if all I'm doing is trying to give more gravitational pull to God, I'm trying to do more honor for him because I want him to have more gravitational pull. I want more people to gravitate towards him. That's giving God covered. Right? I created the world in order for there to be more of an honor, more of gravitational pull. Right? Also, space time. Right? Einstein's space time has been in Jewish Judaism for thousands of years. How do you say the same word for space is the same word for time? Olam means space and time. Forever and ever. Right? If you just listen, that's a, the problem thing, you know, I started learning Kabbalah, I'm like, ah, soon I'm gonna have to be like suspend things in midair. I'll be able to like move the ball from like Carmelo's hand, who's obviously not passing, and pass it just from watching the television. That's not what happens. You just like learn like a dick duke. Like this is a kibbutz, this is a shuruk, the gimel's line is the foot's like I'm like, I'm like, this is this is like what I hated in, in elementary school. I'm learning this in Kabbalah, but that, that's all it comes down to. Kavod and kavod. Kaved. So if my honor is just for me, then I miss the point. Because he's always going to have a bigger mass and a bigger gravitational pull than me. I'm always going to lose. But if I understand that everything I'm trying to do is because I'm trying to, be, I'm trying to help this world be better. I'm trying to make the world, trying to be a partner with God. God created a world where he wants me to be part of it and I'm trying to be part of it. Then I'm changing the whole scheme of things. It's not bad to ask for a, a new car. The question is why? If it's for my honor, well, that's going to be tricky. And if it's not, then the question is, what is it for? Right? All right. Sam, you're up. Expanding and deepening our consciousness. In order to align with the nature of reality and existence, we need deeper awareness of who we are, why we are here, what the world is, and what it is for. We need a sense of deep connection, consciousness, caring about, loving, having com compassion on, being dedicated, seeking improvement to our own self, our thoughts, motives, feelings, and yearnings. Great. So the goal is to broaden, broaden our, 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 our consciousness, okay? To have a more expansive idea. Because if I'm only looking at things in the narrow lens, then, then I lost it. Right? There's a famous story about a girl who asks her parents for a bike for her birthday. Asks, 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 asks. Her parents finally say, fine. She comes down, stares on her birthday day. She sees this big, giant thing wrapped. She's so excited. She tears it apart and she starts bawling. It's not pink. Right? Now, if you're getting down to the resolution of like the color, and it's not worth it anymore. Who's the master of one little detail is not worth it anymore? Haman. Kol zeinen shaveli. Haman says in the Megillah, everything that I have, and who is he saying it to? His wife and his children, right? And all his loved people. Kol avav, like, all of you and everything that I have and all the power doesn't mean anything when Mordechai doesn't bow down to me. Like, whoa, let's take proportions. You know, like, your wife and kids are here, right? It's like you're, you're walking home and you're like, 
honey, you're worth nothing because I didn't get a raise. And she's like, oh, I'm sure she's going to be like, well, you know, what can I do for you? But there, it, proportions. The more expansive we are, the more of consciousness, the more able to re- see things in the broader lens, the more we're able to connect to things. And our journey, as we're going to see right now, through the tefillah, is one of expanding consciousness. Sam, take us away. Uh, the sitter guides us in here in the ladder of prayer. Awareness of ourself in body and freedom of soul. Right, so Birkos HaShachar is all, all about the mundane things. Going to the bathroom, shoes, a belt, your gender, your ethnicity, who you are, who you aren't, right? It's like literally just, I woke up in the morning, I have eyes, pretty cool. You know, here are, I washed my hands because, uh, you know, like very, very much focused on my body and my, my physical needs. And that's okay. That's okay. As long as you understand that that's only one run on the ladder. If all you're doing is focused on your body needs, then... We're getting lost. Okay, next is Corbana. Uh, awakening ourselves as a creative yearning for God, dedicated to Him, willing to sacrifice for Him. Hey, so you can't be in a relationship if you're not willing to work hard. You can't be in a team if you don't go to practice. That's it. A practice is not the game, and it's not the revenue, and it's not going to go on your stats. Right. But it's being part of a team. You can't be dedicated to something. Corbanos comes from the word lacrive, not only to sacrifice, but to sacrifice. The same word. Almost the same gematria even. Lakriv and lakriv, same gematria. It's uh, the ability to say, I'm invested and therefore I'm willing to sacrifice. I'm willing to sacrifice for this because as any person who's in the business school will tell you, you can't get a big return if you don't put in a big investment. Okay. Weiter. Uh, sh- Experiencing God's compassion by contemplating, singing about, and loving beauty in life. Right. So Psyche Zimra is the goal of me understanding why I want to be in this relationship, right? First I, need to, first, I need to be willing to sacrifice for it, and then I have to remember why this relationship is good for me, right? So if I'm, if I'm working really, really hard to join a team, to join a firm, like, oh, they did this and this, and everybody's like, well, why are you, why are you uh, joining this group? Well, they did this, and they did this, and they're helping here, and they're helping there, and like, like great. So Psyche Zimra, I'm like, I'm like talking about God's creation, the world, how is everything, Baruch Shamar, like, Baruch Hu, Baruch like, like, this is so great, right? And like, ending off, like, Yishtabach Shem Chalad Makenu, like, you, like, you do, like, this is for me, focus, right? Or in Rabbi Nachman's Likuti Maran Torah Reish Bet, where before I walk into my house, I have to remind myself what it is I love about my wife and kids, because I had a long day, they had a long day, and this can just become a big, a total uh, collapse of everybody's energy, unless I awaken within me why I love the other person. The Orachim says this on um, 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 not, not, a few, a few, a few um, parshiot from now, from now, Shemot Lamed Gimel Yud Aleph, Exodus 33:11. right? Moshe spoke to God face-to-face like a friend spoke to his friend in the camp. I mean, God spoke, God can't see. How does God speak to Moshe face to face? If you took him earlier, it says, You can't see me and live. So, how are you speaking face to face? Erechaim says, It says, like a man speaks to his friend in the camp. What does it mean, a man? A man speaks to his friend like in camp? It says in, says in Mishlei, The way your face is reflected in the water, the same way your heart is reflected in your friend's heart. Right? You're the the hearts already know before you even start the conversation if there's animosity or there's love. That's it. And what do you have to do? You have to awaken your heart to love the other person so the other person's heart awakens too. And the Rechaim says, that's what it means that Moshe spoke to God face to face. 
the way, the, as much as Moshe prepared to meet God, that's how much God came. Prepare 2%, so you're good. Prepare 40%, so you're good. Right? We all know this famous line of the Rebbe, the Kotzka Rebbe, you know, we know it says in the Shulchan Aruch, based on the Mishnah, that you have to wake up like a lion. And the Kotzka Rebbe is famous for saying, you can't go to sleep like a dog, and expect to wake up like a lion. You want to wake up like a lion? You got to go to sleep like a lion. Okay, Shema. Focusing our mind on the one arousing love for him. Right. So the idea of, of Shema is 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 that that's it. All this love, Shema Israel Hashem and Hashem Echad. You are all. You are everything, and I want to connect to that. I want to be in that consciousness, where I understand that there is no you versus me. It's all one. Okay. Amida. Identifying with the primary goals and values of creation, such as wisdom, kindness, etc. Okay. And we're obviously going to unpack this. The whole, the whole book is these ladders. Okay, so each one of these is a, a paragraph, uh, a whole chapter in the book. Okay, and after Amida Tachan. Identifying personal goals and yearning and praying for them. Okay, so this is like the, the ladder, like, you know. We're going up, and then we have to like bring that down. How do I how do I take that with me um, after coming to this great place of oneness? If I don't put it into vessels, it's not going to help, right? It's not going to take take us anywhere if we don't. Uh, we saw this uh, uh, last week's parsha, right? Uh, Shem's taking the Jewish people out of Egypt, and then he stops and he's like, oh, "How about all these halachos? Like hey, we're going out because if you take this great moment, you don't have where to put it afterwards, then it just goes to waste." Okay. Arousing our most profound desires and drives. Here are our deepest desires. Wholeness. Being fully alive and joyousness coming from these. Loving God, part of our drive to wholeness and others. To be loved and to be caring, cared for, and be cared for. Uh, being dedicated to a higher meaning and purpose. To be creative and contributing. When our will is aligned with the divine will, we are at one slash in love with him. This is the purpose of our creation. Our deepest desires, desires are an expression of the divine desire. The earth strive for wholeness, life being an arena for creativity and gifting the world. The overall context of prayer. When our desires are aroused and we pray for them to be realized, we are partnering with God. This is a practical implication of the first purpose of love. Great. Anybody know where the first prayer is in the Torah? Okay, so that could be. Anybody know where the first prayer in the Torah is according to Rashi? Moshe. Go earlier, much earlier, much earlier. Adam. Adam. It says in 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 Bereshit, Perak Bet, Pasuk Dalid. Elo to those shemayim v'aretz behibari am biyomasot havaya elokim eretz v'shemayim. And it says Pasuk Hey, v'kol siyach asadet terem yebaretz. There's no vegetation yet. And there's no, there's no grass, there's no, there's no bushes, there's no nothing, there's no trees, as Uncle says. Why? Why is this? Because God didn't bring rain. There's no man to work. And Rashi says, you know, God didn't bring rain. You know why there's no rain? Because there's, there's no man to experience the good of rain and pray for it. And when man came, he prayed and it rained. That's Rashi, right there. It's a barren world. It's a barren world. Because there's no one to experience the good. Our prayer is not a prayer of 
a demand, but it's a prayer that allows everything to grow. When I experience the good and I verbalize it, that is prayer. Daniel's telling us here that there's the drive of the world is to become whole, holiness, and the word whole. When I feel integrated with the world, when Adam is from the Adama, and the famous question on Rashi says, and man came and knew and he experienced the good that rain will have. How would Adam know that rain would be good if it never happened before? How would you know? Mm. Except we know that how was Adam created? Dirt and water. Right? He is that. All they had to do was look inside of him and said, wow, I am dirt and water. And look what happened. Imagine what could happen here. That's it. Verbalizing what I already am experiencing in my consciousness. But if Adam's not conscious of the fact that what he is made of, then how could he be any desire rain? And note that Rashi does not say, he dove into Hashem and Hashem answered and it rained. No, Rashi says, and he prayed and it rained. Where is God in the story? God is the story. Keep going. By arousing. By arousing our most profound desires and drives, we connect to our higher self, our divine soul, and ultimately to God himself. Existence is an expression in values, drives, and commitments. This also makes our lives more fully alive because we are living more authentically and also makes them much more effective. Instead of being a disconnected speck floating detached from the all, we become attached and aligned with the larger whole and are helped by its guide who seeks a creation fully alive and accomplished. Right? There's a famous story that uh, um, uh, 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 some guy who came close to Rabbi Shlomo became, became religious, and then uh, Rabbi Shlomo said, you know, if you never had a bar mitzvah, we should do a bar mitzvah. So they did a bar mitzvah, and uh, Rabbi Shlomo invited his mom to come in, so he went to pick her up from the airport, and she sat in the cab with Rabbi Shlomo on the way to the House of Love and Prayer in, in, in San Francisco, and she says to him, I want, Rabbi, I want you to know, I don't believe in God. And Rabbi Shlomo said, then don't. And he goes, you're a rabbi. How dare you say don't believe in God? Mm-hmm. So he looked at her and said, if you want to live in a godless world, that's your choice. But don't go looking for him when you need him because he doesn't exist in your world. She's like, oh. You can pray from a place of, I want this so I can have, or I can see myself as part of something bigger. I'm, I'm saying to God, help me be the best that I can be. I want these to be able to unlock these talents so I could be better and do better and be better as part of this broader story of your world. But if not, then it doesn't help. So for going back to Avram's first prayer where he's davening to Sodom, or the Midrash saying that Sarah was davening for Yitzchak, is it for, for my own desire? It's for the greater good. It's not from a place of ego or from the place of a narrow, I need this. But can I see myself as part of the greater story? All right, guiding us in prayer. The more we orient all levels of ourselves toward the divine, the more we become awakened to prayer. The sitter therefore directs our composite layers, body, emotions, thoughts, and transcendent connection with a series of sections designed to focus each aspect of ourselves towards God. In Malcolm slash Shaila Shaila Shaila. Uh, I've no profoundly Presence. that 
I am here and wanted and wanted here on as a basis for being able to ask for life's enhancement. Just like a child who is held warm by his nurturing parent feels the chesed of life and by his empowered to by this is empowered to venture out. So we sense the simplicity of the goodness of of simple being and are confident and embodied, emboldened to ask for what we need to fulfill our mission. The sitter then guides us in awareness of the elements we are composed of and knowing them to be sent by God now. Right? So the sitter is a guide, it's a prayer. Not a prayer book, it's a prayer guide. How do I elevate myself from the lowest desires to the most transcendental desires, right? To the place where the epitome of tefillah is chazarat ashatz, where I do nothing, I'm just part of the group. It's not about me. It's about us, right? If I don't buy in by saying amen, then I'm not part of the us. Okay, let's keep going. We don't got a lot left. Changing paradigms of prayer. There are two parts of the paradigm of prayer. Paradigm. Paradigm. Ooh, I did did not know that. One is about how indeed we are aligned with the will if we delve deep within. This is the difference between Adam's prayer and Abraham's walking with God versus walking before God. See, coming to be known. Uh, the second is that as man has evolved so has God's relationship with us prayer is generally taken to be an expression of man's weakness and God's strength with our knocking on the door as a pauper pauper what's that a poor person Uh, asking for means but this derives for an antiquated stance of an authoritarian world in which the more obedient we are the better off we are as life has evolved, we realize more and more deeply how much we are partners in creation and that God wants that. Of course, these themes are present in the Torah, as we will see, but this booklet definitely takes a new perspective with changed emphasis and paradigms. Okay. God, too, changes all the time in the Torah, from the first creation to the second, from the giving of the Torah to the second, uh, from the Exodus to Purim. From the written Torah to oral, to oral, oral, personal creativity, from God's omnipotence to God's weakness, and for us becoming the subtheme of advance towards a, toward a world where giver and taker merge. More briefly, moderns need to redefine prayer because we are different and meant to be so. Understanding the sitter as a manual and guide can help change paradigms of prayer, cultivate its practice, and deepen its existence. This booklet, filmed teachings, and music meditations help evoke the experiences intended by each stage of the sitter. So what we're going to be trying to do, hopefully, is, as Daniel sums up beautifully at the end, we're going to try to modernize davening. But not by changing any of the structures. Not by taking things out. Just by revisiting and seeing how all the things were already there, but because we weren't conscious of them, we didn't see them. All these ideas are not new. We just never thought of them that way because we were stuck in the narrative that has been shared for the past 2,000 years of exile. But as the whole world's evolving and our consciousness is evolving and the metaphysics and, and all the quantum fluctuations of our universe, then we have to revisit what this quote-unquote ancient sitter has in store for us. See you all next week.